Welcome to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Buck, and joining me today to shed some light on how we should be incorporating non-invasive techniques to assess liver fibrosis in our practice is Dr. Mauricio Bonacini, who is an associate professor of clinical medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. He's also the CEO of Mission Gastroenterology and Hepatology. Dr. Bonacini, welcome to the program. Good morning, Peter. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Let's begin with some background, Dr. Bonacini. What is the accuracy of blood tests to assess liver fibrosis for different liver diseases? Well, so that's a very, very good question. Uh, typically, these blood tests, and by these blood tests, I think we mean what we call the APRI, which is a relation between AST and platelets, or the FIB4 test. So the blood test, they, you actually can calculate based on simple blood tests that we obtain from the patient. There are other blood tests, like the fibro test in Europe, the ELF uh, test, fairly widely used, but these are basically proprietary, so there is some uh, charge involved. Basically, this test typically have been compared in a certain disease. So people answer the question, what is the prediction of this test for fibrosis in, say, hepatitis C or in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? So it's hard to compare them across diseases. But looking at the area under the curve, which really measures a combination of sensitivity and specificity of the test, uh, depending on the cutoff that you use for each of these tests, which has been variable in the literature, you come out with a flavor that pretty close in any given disease. Uh, but in those, in a certain disease, there is sort of a pecking order where some tests are a little bit better than others. So when assessing hepatitis C, how do we decide whether to use AST to platelet ratio index, also known as APRI? or the fibrosis for calculator, or FIB4 for short? If you don't mind, Peter, I'd like to expand a little bit on the question. I would throw in the mix other non-invasive tests uh, for fibrosis. I think the best performer for fibrosis is in magnetic resonance elastography, so MRE. Of course, an MRI test is expensive, but it does perform best. The second, it's vibration control transient elastography. And so the FibroScan, which is fairly well uh, available in the United States, is the second performer. The third performer are blood tests. And there's basically multiple studies that show that the best performer is actually the FIB4, uh, slightly better than the APRI test. The fibro test of the ELF performs similarly, even though one recent paper that was presented in London would support the fact that the ELF, ELF, is actually performing better than FIB4. But I think for the audience, if one would pick a simple, inexpensive test to screen for advanced fibrosis, the FIB4 performs basically the best. So Dr. Bonacini, how often does the APRI or FIB4 score miss significant fibrosis? Well, this is a very good question. And basically what you're asking is that, what is the sensitivity of the FIB4? And it also depends on which level you're going to use, the cutoff. The cutoff will make a difference in sensitivity and specificity. So the question you're asking is that, what is one minus the sensitivity? To make it simple, if we look F3 and F4, 
And if you use the cutoff of 1.3, so below 1.3, the test is very predictive of the absence of stage three or four. And if you calculate the sensitivity, you come out with the answer of within 5%. So it's possible to miss advanced fibrosis stage three or four at minus 1.3 in about 5% of cases, probably a little lower than that. Although there was one paper that was just presented uh, hinting that actually that percentage may be higher, but I like to believe that actually the FIB4 across a wide variety of uh, patients is actually performing quite well. And the false negative, that's what we're asking, is less than 5%. Thank you very much. So uh, putting this all together, and again, especially for our primary care colleagues out there, when should we move on to transient elastography or fibrosure from APRI or FIB4? I think the population at risk for liver disease. In this day and age, NASH or NAFLD is the most common one. In that population, the risk of advanced liver disease is pretty small, say 15% or so, you know, stage three or four. In most of my patients that I see that have low, low fibrosis. So you want to sort of uh, table those patients and reassure them uh, and not really go forward. So the bottom line is that we use the FIT4 with a cutoff of 1.3. If it's greater than 1.3, then the algorithm pushes you to do a vibration control transit elastography. If the elastography number is greater than 7.4, then you go to a third test. If it's less than 7.4, then you tell the patient, your FIB4 greater than 1.3 was not correct. You have low fibrosis. So if the elastography is greater than 7.4, the recommendation of the easel is to uh, do a non-invasive test like the fibro test or the ELF, which the page, patient will be charged for. And the price is about $150 for the test. And then these different tests have different uh, uh, levels. So if the level is suggest high fibrosis, then probably the patient should be offered a liver biopsy. So that's how the algorithm goes. Thanks for clarifying that. For those just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Peter Buck, and I'm speaking with Dr. Mauricio Bonacini about non-invasive tests to assess liver fibrosis. So Dr. Bonacini, can you describe the techniques and role of both ultrasound-based 2D shear wave elastography and MR elastography that you alluded to previously? We are basically measuring tissue stiffness by any of the techniques that you mentioned. And these stiffness has been correlated with fibrosis, again, using a liver biopsy as the gold standard. Then I will compare briefly vibration control transient elastography, which we call fibroscan, and uh, shear wave elastography. <clears throat> shear wave elastography uh, in my experience here in San Francisco, is more in the realm of radiology because the machine is basically an ultrasound that has the advantage of being able to sample the stiffness of a large tissue, particularly the 2D version. And the bottom line is that both techniques use an ultrasound beam to assess the velocity of transmission through a medium. The faster the velocity, the more stiff the tissue is, and therefore the more fibrosis. The softer the tissue, the slower the propagation. Great. And moving on to more invasive things, once it's time to do a liver biopsy these days. 
In terms of how useful a liver biopsy is, let's divide it in three categories. One is diagnostics. You make a diagnosis of autoimmune hepatitis, for instance, or primary biliary cirrhosis. You may want to use a liver biopsy to make an ion-clad diagnosis. Likewise, if you want to measure copper in the liver or uh, iron in the liver, you may want to do a liver biopsy, which is a diagnostic test. But then we have the prognostic value of a liver biopsy. And I want to divide it in two categories. One is the rare event where you want to find out what is the likelihood of the liver that is undergoing massive necrosis as in what we call acute liver failure will recover. So the patient may not need a liver transplant. Again, sampling, usually it's not an issue and it's very rarely an indication. So the last one is the more common indication. How often do we need to do a liver biopsy for fibrosis? As you remember, maybe 15, 20 years ago of uh, hepatitis C uh, treated with interferon, we did liver biopsies to select out patients with advanced fibrosis so we can better allocate a treatment that were not very effective and they were fairly toxic. Then after hepatitis C oral medications were developed, then the need to assess fibrosis by biopsy really fell by the wayside. Now the issue is the new epidemic on non-alcoholic fatty liver. So this is the main question. When do we need to do a liver biopsy? Well, I do a liver biopsy because I do clinical studies. So liver biopsies is really uh, crucial. There is no clinical study that I know of that does not require a liver biopsy before the intervention at the, the end of the intervention. In my practice, who would I biopsy in reality? Well, I biopsy very few patients. Because notwithstanding the algorithm of the easel that I told you, I tend to be more conservative. Say, even if my algorithm suggests that the patient has stage two fibrosis, then I may not want to confirm that with a liver biopsy because probably I would not do anything different. I would still ask the patient to lose weight, to, to uh, improve their sugar control. And so I follow the patient with yearly fibro scans. But to answer the question, if we were to really scientifically assess the need for a liver biopsy, I would say, let's follow the ESO algorithm. We do first a FIB4. If it's greater than 1.3, then we do a, a transient elastography. If it's less than 7.4, we'll do it once a year, but we won't do a liver biopsy. If it's over 7.4, we move to another non-invasive test. If the non third non-invasive test says you have low fibrosis, we leave it at that. If it's higher, then we discuss with the patient the need for a liver biopsy. And that's how I would use the liver biopsy in this algorithm. Well, this has been a great discussion on the importance of using non-invasive tests to assess liver fibrosis. And I want to thank my guest, Dr. Mauricio Bonacini, for sharing his insights. Dr. Bonacini, it's been a great pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much. The pleasure was all mine. ReachMD, I'm Dr. Peter Buck. To access this and other episodes in this series, visit reachmd.com slash GI Insights, where you can be part of knowledge. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.